There we go. Okay. Very good. Just making sure. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now, yes. Okay. Very good. Welcome. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I I think you I think you're doing okay considering yeah everything you have to go through so I'm just guessing that so don't let me put words in your mouth. <laughs> hey, it's okay. After the winter we had. Yes. This agreed. isn't bad. Yes, agreed. Oh, I know what I'm missing. I'm missing my light. Hold on. I didn't get my <clears throat> my little light, my ring light. So I don't look like I'm in the dark when I'm not in the dark. Okay. That's better. Hey, Anne. Hi, Lynn. How are you? I'm okay. I had to figure out how to unmute myself. I'm on my iPad this time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got the big computer this time. <laughs> I'll see how wise a decision this was. <laughs> what were you running into? You couldn't unmute it? I just, it's a different screen setup. Oh. I hear you. Okay. No, this is fine. You want Bible, you want to do Bible study? Mm-hmm. You want to do Bible study? Okay. I'm going to take my glasses off because it looks like my. Is that Larry? That was Larry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is he doing okay? Yeah, he is. He's, he's hurting. You want to take some medicine and lay down. Okay. So, yeah. Believe me. <laughs> Completely mm-hmm. understand. Woo. I took oh, mine early. Mm-hmm. Completely get that. Mm-hmm. We'll have more people joining us soon. Mm-hmm. I was early, so. I know. That's, That's all right. We, we recommend you get on early just in the event that you have to tinker with your device or something like that. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of light behind me, but that's okay. That's uh. What do you need? Nothing. It. I'm just. I have my. I have my ring light, but it's. It's doing a little bit more. But honestly, I don't need. I'm good. Life is good. We were out in the weather today. It was really nice outside, and it's also very warm. Very warm outside. Yeah, it was a good breeze. Good yes. wind. That wasn't a breeze. It's actually a wind. <laughs> it was a wind there for a while. Yes. Yes, indeed. Somebody's coming. Roscoe Fry is the name I see. Uh-huh. I just see connecting to audio. <laughs> Roscoe Fry is connecting to audio. I I changed the setting where people can just automatically get on without me having to let them in. Yeah, which is a little bit easier. If the original, I think the setting, first setting was, I'll let you in if I see you. Right, because then you, you know, can control who gets in your meeting. Correct. Like the, the troller that shows up for no good reason. Correct. Well, we've we've took care we took care of that, so no trolls, <laughs> and uh, no trolls, and um, and depending upon 
the settings of the person who's coming in. They should be able to get in without any real issues. I know I had to scoot back. I was getting ready to scoot back from the edge of the co- concrete there in the back of the parking lot because uh, it was uh, hey, Joanna. warmer back there. Hey, Joanna. You are muted still, Joanna. Top right. Try top right. I'm not sure what computer, if you are using a computer, you know, I'm not, I don't know, it's a computer or an iPad. You just activate the screen where Mel's face is, and it should give you your controls, and it should be the top right. I do believe. Roscoe, you also have to unmute. Okay, he just unmuted. He figured it out, too. Hey, Roscoe. Roscoe's in the closet. <laughs> there he is. You look like okay. You, I see wow. a face now. Hey, Joanna. I'm lower left. Gotcha. Put me on mute. Oh, lower left. Gotcha. You. Are you on a computer, Joanna? Yes. Okay. That was computers iPads are, right. Yeah, computers are. I have to believe lower left is part of the screen. Roscoe, I see you too. Good morning or good afternoon. <laughs> good evening. Can you hear me? I can yeah, hear you I- now. Yes. Okay. He's outside. I need to electronics. I can see you and I can hear you a little bit. Everybody's unmuted, so everybody is on. I think I think Roscoe, you're battling Wi-Fi because of your. There we go. Your your screen is frozen right now. Mine's dark for him. <laughs> Here's what? His screen is dark for me. So. Oh, it's dark. Yeah, he. he now he's not. Now he's not. Yeah, he may be trying to get back on now. Yeah, I said, okay, Mr. Roscoe. I, hey, Deb. I hear Roscoe. I heard something. He just hey, muted Deb. himself. Hey, he muted himself. I know. <sighs> we'll get the hang of it after about two. After about five or six of these sessions, we'll finally get the hang of it. No worries. <laughs> yep. It'll only take about five or six tries. You know, that's okay. Hmm. It'll be November. I wish it was June. <laughs> you stink. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hi, Deb. Deb is Deb was unmuted, and then she muted herself. Okay. Check at the bottom right, Miss Deb. And click the microphone to unmute it. This is ooh, okay. 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 I had to turn my volume down. That's, that's okay. We no got worries. you. That's because I had something on yesterday that I had to have the volume up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> totally turn good. It. That's okay. Mute the TV. That's right. Mr. Gaines. Yes. Can you mute the TV? Can I mute the TV? I sure can. Hold on. (laughs) I forgot all about the TV. I was so focused on what I was doing here. TV. Okay. I have muted the TV. Nobody wants to hear America Says Game Show right now anyway. No. No. (laughs) 
That's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we are just about 45 seconds away from five o'clock. We'll try and allow for people to jump on. I don't know how many we're going to have. We already heard from Ronnie. Ronnie said she's probably not going to make it uh, this time because she's um, got too much sun. Too much sun. Wow. So she was feeling a little, uh, a little tired. And I'm glad that she made it to church today. That's a, that's a big deal for her to get out and get to church. So mm-hmm. that was cool that she could do that. Melvin, what does it mean that I'm using enhanced inscription? Inscription? Encryption, maybe? Encryption? Yeah. Um, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It, it, if anything, it means that it's a secure connection. That oh. means that if it's enhanced. It's um, enhanced. I don't, yeah, I don't know if I'm doing that for you or not, but... Uh, it says recording. We are yeah. recording. Okay. We are recording. Um, we can actually, uh, if you if you were on our website, you could actually hear the audio of our Zoom Bible study from last time. It's actually mm-hmm. uh, available for people to listen to. So just a heads up for that. Hold on one second. Checking something. Sorry, I had to had to take care of something there. Okay. <laughs> All right. We are going to start launching into our study. And we are going to pick up where we left off, which I believe was Luke chapter one, verse forty-six. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we will be um I think so. Yep. Luke 146, I believe, is where we were. Sorry, I need to get all my tools together here. Yeah, Luke 146. Because it's a little bit easier for me to engage everybody if I have all of my tools here, including my lap desk, to hold my Bible so that I can actually read from it and see it. Um, We're going to go ahead and get started with a word of prayer, which is always appropriate when we're getting ready to get into God's word. Amen. Amen. So let's uh, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to get together and fellowship with uh, everyone online here. We thank you for this time where we can do just what is a very basic Bible study. But Lord, we know that you are our teacher. You teach us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for imparting wisdom to us as we learn more and more about your wonderful plan that you put in place for us, where you knew from the very beginning that we would need a savior. And we thank you for how this was all orchestrated and how you used these individuals are going to read about and and discuss and just look at the wonder of your majesty, the wonder of your creativity, the wonder of all these things that you have done for us. We thank you, Lord, for how you have prepared a place for us. And we thank you for all that you are doing, all that you continue to do. Help us, Lord, to speak truth to others as we go forth from here and and for the rest of our days. And we just want to glorify you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All righty. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Now, we uh, just as a brief primer... We did uh, look specifically at uh, when Mary had visited Elizabeth, and we 
just want you to know that this is a, uh, I read a comment that this was something that had, uh, they did not really know each other that well. So this was a, an encounter that they uh, had together, but all the conversation that was taking place was being done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need to recognize here. The power of the Spirit was involved. And I hope that you can see that for what it is. It's, it's just a, a magnificent thing uh, to see how God was moving uh, in the lives of Mary and, and Elizabeth and also in Zachariah's life as well, too, which we will look at a little bit more as we get further into this. And um, just for those of you who are having connectivity issues, um, we will try to make the audio available for this uh, later on, if for whatever reason you have a problem getting back in. Uh, right now, there's only six of us, so uh, we should be good to go. We shouldn't really have any issues with that, but uh, the capacity for Zoom is actually up to about 100 or so. So the days we have 100 people on for Bible study might be a pretty interesting uh, situation. A wonderful day. That would be really something, wouldn't it? I know, right? Yep. Um, so let's pick up in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And the heading in my Bible says the Magnificat, uh, Mary's Song of Praise. Uh, and that's uh, where we'll pick up at. And we're going to read through down to verse 55 for the moment. And then we'll talk about this for a second. Uh, and I'm going to be reading from, I forget what version this is, NIV. This is the NIV version of the Bible. So follow along in yours. It says in verse 46, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts he has brought down rulers from their thrones but he has lifted up the humble he has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty he has helped his servant israel remembering to be merciful to abraham and his descendants forever even as he said to our fathers okay so that's verses 46 through 55, and that's essentially uh, Mary's song of praise. That's Mary who was uh, giving a song of praise. Now, for all you Bible students uh, in this particular section, can you remember or do you know where, uh, if you want to look somewhere else in the Bible, you're going to find a song of praise similar to this one? Any ideas? There's no right or wrong answers here. We just. Who can you think of who is having difficulty uh, as far as having a child, for example? Hannah. Um, Hannah. Who said who said Hannah? Very good. Very good. This is uh, a similar. What was that? I said, yay, Joanna. Yay, Joanna. I know. Right. Um, heart, heart, heart. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's exactly what this is. It's a, it's a song of praise. Um, uh, that happens to be in the area of first Samuel chapter two, verses one through 10. 
she had the same type of praise uh, for God because of what, how God had blessed her. God had answered her prayer. And it's worth reading on your own. I'm not going to necessarily take up time for you to read that now, but that's literally in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Uh, that is, is referred to as a Magnificat. I always wanted to know what we're, um, Magnificat High School when I heard that name of that high school, where it came from. And lo and behold, it comes from this. It actually comes from the reference to this song of praise that Mary gives. Uh, Mary gives to us, uh, as far as information. And, and so we, it's interesting when you hear different names and phrases, like, where did that come from? How did that come about? And that's exactly where it comes from. Uh, so Mary's song of praise is like Hannah's song of praise. And she is basically noting that she is because the Lord had chosen her to do this mighty thing, this wonderful thing. Um, she just breaks out in song now. And I'll share with you, too, just as Elizabeth made the declaration in the verses prior to this. Um, Mary's song of praise is coming directly from the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just giving you that as feedback as well, too. I think it's important for us to see that as well. So um, does anyone have any questions or comments about this at all? Nope, just stone cold silence. Okay, Uh, very good. So we'll just just proceed. Um, And verse 56 says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So they became, got more acquainted. Uh, they had a relationship with each other where, uh, both of them were just spending time with each other during their pregnancies. Uh, that's essentially what was taking place. Okay. So now we move from that section of scripture and we launch into uh, verse 57 in chapter one, where we now are talking about Elizabeth has gone f- to full term with her pregnancy and now we're talking about having the the baby. Uh, John the Baptist is born. So let's read and and take a look at what it says here in verses 57 through 66. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. And remember, what is the mercy about? Elizabeth is an old woman. Elizabeth is having a baby for the first time in her life, and she is in her 90s, approaching 100. She's in her 90s. This is something that if you can imagine something like that today, well, you can't because uh, you just don't see that. Uh, But we, we have to look at this from the standpoint that when we are literally talking about someone's age of being 90 years old, it is in direct comparison to guess what? Our ages. Uh, So this is a spectacular thing that's taken place. Verse 59, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And that's according to custom, by the way. That's according to Jewish custom. And they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. Now, remember, Zechariah could not speak. The only way for... Uh, Elizabeth to be, make this declaration is for Zechariah to have literally written this down for her and gave her this information. Because, uh, Elizabeth knows that what happened to Zechariah was pretty spectacular as well too. And so they were both were, I'm sure, sharing information back and forth. So here's Elizabeth saying, no, he is to be called John. 
So let's look at verse 61. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. This is only according to the custom of the day. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was open, and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Okay. So understand that a lot of this that was taking place was not so much for the benefit of Elizabeth or Zechariah, but for other people around them to witness this event and for it to take place in such a way where they were seeing what a fantastic miracle this really is. That's what we need to understand about this particular section. And because who's doing all the talking about this after uh, Zechariah broke out and said these things, he finally could speak after literally, what, nine months of not being able to speak? That's the timing of the pregnancy. Essentially, nine months and a few days after the pregnancy, he could finally speak and say something and just gave praise to God. This was the neighbors were all filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. So it spread like wildfire, the information that had taken place uh, on that eighth day when John was uh, formally given his name uh, at the time of his circumcision. And so, yes, people were wondering, who is this child going to be? We remember what happened to Zechariah when he went to the temple. We remember that Elizabeth was made, uh, became pregnant uh, by the... Uh, of course, by the deeds of Zechariah. And so we recognized that this was happening. And remember, Elizabeth was not able to have a child. So we knew that this child had to be special in some way, shape, or form. Okay. And so I want to look at the prophecy that comes up that Zechariah makes as well, too, uh, because it's important to note that that's also a spirit-filled prophecy. But there are, any, are there any questions or comments about this particular section when we saw that Jim, John the Baptist was born and now his circumcision. Comments, questions? Stone cold silence again. Everybody's just <laughs> taking it all in. Yep. That's, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Melvin. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Oh. Okay, I'm I'm just messing with this high technology. I don't know whether I'm speaking or not. You are. Uh, yep. Pearl, you're muted, just so you know. Go ahead, Roscoe. What was the reason that Zachariah couldn't speak? Was it just in shock or what? Zachariah could not speak if when we covered this in the first reading because Gabriel was the one who went to the temple and met him inside the temple and told him that his wife was going to have a child. And he was, I believe, skeptical at the time and was not really exercising his faith. He was questioning what Gabriel was saying. So Gabriel told him he was going to say that you can't speak until such time as the child will be born 
and until such time as when that actual declaration was made. And the, he also told him, I believe at the same time that his, the child's name was going to be John because that's what Gabriel had instructed him also to, to know as well too. Right, so that's verses 19 and 20. Yes. If you go back to verses 19 and 20 in chapter one, you'll see that section. And verse 18, if you go back even further, that verse is, um, Gabriel meets up with, uh, yeah, verse 11, uh, is when the angel of the Lord appears right there with Zechariah in the temple. And that's when you'll see the dialogue going back and forth between Zechariah and the angel. And the angel is Gabriel. Yeah, 19 and 20 is where you'll see that. The name of John is in verse 13, is when he tells him that your prayer has been heard, you'll bear a son, you shall call him John. Correct. Exactly as it was said. Okay. I knew we were doing it. All right, I got it. I okay. Got it. He was okay. stalled. The answer is right there. Yes, it's right there. I wasn't sure if you were with us the first week or not, so that's okay. That's why no, we I asked. In, I, I had high technology difficult. I see. <laughs> well, you're you're doing much better, sir. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. I'm all right all, now. Good, very good. Okay, um, Walter and Pearl, since you just joined us, we are literally in uh, Luke chapter one, and we're up at. I just turned away from it. Uh, we were at verse fifty-seven through sixty-six. We're in the area where John the Baptist was born, so you can follow along from there. We already covered the magnificent Mary's song of praise, and we're getting ready to get into Zechariah's prophecy. Any other questions? Okay. Well, first of all, you all look beautiful online, so just thanks for being here. That's for sure. That's <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. So let's go to Zechariah's prophecy, because this is after, uh, we're going to assume it was right after his mouth was loose and he was giving praise to God and began to speak. Remember, he had not been able to speak for uh, almost 10 months, nine months worth of time. So Zechariah gives his prophecy. Zechariah, his father Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come and he has, and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. And to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Okay. And then verse 80, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the desert 
until he appeared publicly to Israel. Now, it's important to point out in Zechariah's prophecy, understand that the only thing that Zechariah knew, just based upon the information we have, uh, he didn't know that he would go on before the Lord as a prophet of Israel. But there are more specifics that are being mentioned here in his prophecy uh, that refer to his son and affirm his son as a prophet that goes before the Lord, the most high. So it's really just amazing to see how God had planned all of this ahead of time as a fulfillment of prophecy and how he chose uh, people to be uh, take part in all of this and to show that John was indeed a special child. And I think that's what people wanted to see and hear as well uh, from what Zechariah had declared. Uh, don't want to go too quickly here. Want to make sure that we're covering everything here with uh, complete understanding as well, too. Um, first of all, I want to go back and look at verses 54 and 55, where you'll notice that um, there was a fulfillment of Abraham here. Uh, I know that we had kind of discussed Abraham earlier today in the passage, but you look back at 54 and 55. This is during Mary's uh, song of praise. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Remember how Abraham was told that he would be part of a great nation. And this was a fulfillment of prophecy, this whole event of Christ's coming uh, as a fulfillment and a promise that was made to Abraham. And that's just something that we need to see. That promise goes back to Genesis 22, verses 16 through 18. Christ's birth fulfilled that promise to Abraham. And and I hope you can see that. Uh, let me see if I can. Genesis 22. Moving. Just so I'm just doing this study just like you guys. It's nice to do a study like this. Um, and just take the time to look over passages and make sure that what we're reading and seeing is something that we had indeed uh, recall and remember. Genesis 22, 16. 16 to 18. 16 to 18. Yeah, you can go to that. Genesis 22, verses 16 through 18. And the thing that I didn't pay attention to as closely before is that Abraham was just he was not a Jew. He was grafted in as a Jew, basically, by looking at for what he really became. Just as we all are grafted into God's family because we have the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's why we, when we give emphasis about being part of the children of God, we are all in his family. We are all grafted in because we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Genesis twenty two sixteen says, it says, and said, by myself I have sworn... This is the Lord's declaration because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son. Okay, this is the, the context is this is this was when uh, Isaac was being taken up on the side on top of the mountain uh, for what was appearing to be a sacrifice to the Lord. Because you have done this thing and not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the gates of their enemies. 
<clears throat> pardon me, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. So we see how this was a promise that was made uh, to Abraham and the birth of Christ, the birth of uh, the birth of Christ, the, the eventual birth of Christ after obviously John the Baptist is born uh, is the fulfillment of that promise. So I hope we can see that when God makes a promise, he keeps it. Mm-hmm. He does not waver. He does not change. Uh, this promise was made literally thousands, a couple thousand years before. Um, I, what is the approximate time? I'm not sure the approximate time when Abraham was alive versus when Christ was born. It's, 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 pardon me. I have to research it. Yeah, I'd have to research that too, but we're not talking about a few days. Uh, we're talking yeah. about, yes, it's, it's, it's a substantial amount of time. So, uh, we want to keep that in mind as we look at this. Um, so what happened here was that when Mary was selected, she knew all about the mission of Jesus Christ, uh, before he was born because the spirit is the one who conveyed all of that. And, and that's what's really important for us to see. Okay. So Zechariah, let's look at him again and his declarations and what he was referring to. Um, the circumcision ceremony was a very important ceremony in the family of a Jewish baby boy. I don't know how, uh, if you know how important that really is, but that is a big deal uh, according to Jewish custom. And so when we had all these people who were around him, I guess the closest thing I can think of right now that you would give to a comparison to something like that would be we're uh, talking about a dedication or something like that. You know, it, uh, we're not doing a circumcision in the church, per se, of course, and uh, uh, nothing like that. Uh, that takes place at the doctor's office, and that's where it should take place. Uh, but we, But this is something that it was very important according to culture. And we want to see here that this circumcision was beginning to form what was going to be referred to as the holy nation of God. It was being reaffirmed through Moses. This was the ceremony that was taking place. It was something that was affirming who God's people were. The circumcision refers to all of the people of God. Uh, they were following according to God's command. They were going according to what he had designated. Remember, all those who were uncircumcised were technically not part of uh, God's nation of people. Uh, and so that was the importance of recognizing when Timothy was going around other Jews, he needed to be circumcised as well, too, because of his ministry and what he represented in the faith. So it's a big deal. And this circumcision was taking place. And notice that everybody around them uh, was speaking about, you know, well, who's named? Don't we need to name this child Zechariah? Don't we need to name this person uh, someone according to his family, which was very customary in Jewish culture. Nope. The name was John. That's the name that was chosen, uh, by God for this, uh, this child. And that's exactly who he would be. And that was to be done as a testimony, uh, for others to see that this was a child that was chosen by God to go forth as a prophet before the Lord Jesus Christ. People needed to see that and see the difference in that. Okay. Um, how far did I get reading in, in verse 67? Did I read anything about Zechariah's prophecy or not? I don't even remember now. Wait a minute. 
you all the way through. Yeah. I, I, I just need to turn the page. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm reading. Yes, that's right. Thank you. Thank you. I had. I need to. I'm getting dehydrated. I need to drink some more. Yes, please. There's one more reference to the the Abraham part, and that would be in verse 73, where it says, "The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us." that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So okay. that's yet another reference to Abraham. How about that? Uh, we see the connection when we look at uh, the uh, Holy Spirit's working and how he is tying together this Old Testament prophecy into where we are today in the New Testament. Um, anyone who says the Old Testament is not important, you don't know your Bible. We have to make sure that we're communicating this to everyone and being aware of that. So I just thank the Lord. Uh, this is just is something that we don't want to rush through. We want to recognize what this all is. It's all been planned from the very beginning. Nothing random about it. It's all according to God's timing. Um, that's the other thing we need to recognize, too. Um, just like the Lord's return is all going to be based on what? His timing. Uh, everything, everything the Lord does is based upon his calendar, his clock, his time, when he determines it is sufficient to do those things. And all these things that as they are taking place and all these miracles are taking place, they're being done as a testimony, not just for the people who are present then, but for all of us as well too today to see God's goodness in all of this. So we've covered uh, the birth of John the Baptist and Zacharias prophecy. And thank you for the extra note on Abraham, um, to see the connection, the connection that is taking place, uh, between the people, uh, who will be part of that great nation that, uh, God was speaking to Abraham about. And here we are. We're now at that point where we recognize and see it has come to pass, uh, through this, uh, first chapter of Luke. Are there any questions so far? Now we do, we have a fast forward here. As you'll notice that, uh, the child grew, became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. And he appeared publicly to Israel pretty much around his 30th, uh, 29th or 30th birthday. It, so some time has gone by here, and it's going to go by here because we recognize that, um, Elizabeth was still pregnant and still had John as uh, literally as Mary was being conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit to ta- have Jesus be born as well, too. So now we're going to cover Jesus's birth, going to Luke chapter two. Let's take a look at what it says here. And so we have to kind of follow along and look at the time frame here as time goes by. Uh, verse one in Luke chapter two, we're going to start reading from there. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. Verse 4, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Don't pay attention to that. That's pretty important stuff. There's a reason why Mary is with Joseph. You see that? There's a reason why they're together. 
and, and that's what we want to make sure we're always clear on that. And so Luke is doing a great job of documenting this information for us, for us to see that all of this was planned by God and it's all falling in line with what we were talking about. Okay. Verse five, he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, remember, this was, Luke did not record all the other stuff that was going on about uh, Mary getting pregnant without him doing anything while he was a virgin and all the talk about publicly divorcing him, all of that's being skipped over here. It's not being discussed because you have to understand that Luke is kind of a reporter for us. He's giving us the facts based upon the historical reference. Uh, that is how he's writing this. So we need to recognize that that's, it's a different writing style altogether. So all those things we're referring to uh, in the other areas, I think it's Matthew, uh, wherever it is, whatever the passage is where um, – You'll have to, you guys have to help me out with that. I can't remember exactly where it is, where uh, Joseph was talking about quietly divorcing Mary because uh, she got pregnant oh. and not wanting to ridicule her. It was uh, in a different gospel, obviously. Well, it's briefly mentioned in verse 26 of chapter one. Oh, okay. It just says in the sixth month, Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. And it kind of goes through it, but it's not in the same amount of detail that you get in other gospels. Right. Right. Exactly. So we have more information if we look at another gospel and we see the actual reference where Joseph is saying, I can't, I don't know if I can marry this woman. And then he has a dream uh, and says, no, you take this woman. That's, that's the woman that you're supposed to be with. And uh, you'll go ahead and uh, have this child together. And so that's where we have him wrapped in the clothes, placed in the manger, so this was, again, not long after John the Baptist was born. So we want to keep that in mind, too. Okay? So let's go now to verse 8. I think that's verse 8. Yes. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And of course, this is one of the most famous passages of scripture, especially if you look at a Charlie Brown Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's pulling directly from this passage. This is, this is the passage that Linus quotes, uh, in the auditorium. And so this was in a very, very, uh, coy way for Charles Schultz to introduce the gospel of Jesus Christ on the air, a TV show that it's been around for 50 years now. And mm -hmm. um, it, it, it has a lasting effect and impact. And that's something that just uh, as a point of reference, probably the most famous 
verse mentioned on TV uh, because of what it did. And um, I'm indebted. I'm always, uh, I, I give praise to the Lord for Charles Schultz's conviction to do something like that. You have to understand something. Back at the time, this was 1960? Was it 60? Mm-hmm. Lynn, I forget. I think it's 1960 yeah. or 61? 61, because it was 60. the year I was born. Okay, mm-hmm. year you were born. So can you imagine? I mean, that's something that was just being done. It just wasn't being done. Uh, it, it was a, it was a different vehicle of, of presenting the truth of the gospel. And there's all kinds of stories about how it almost never got on TV and stuff like that. It's fun to look up, but, um, um, it was, it was almost like, I think they said too boring for TV. I'm like saying, okay, mm-hmm. uh, nothing boring about the gospel really. Uh, but it was just a great way to proclaim the gospel. And verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, I got to tell you something. Luke just kind of glosses over this a little bit. I'm sorry. If you've got a bunch of angels appearing (laughs) and you're you're in a field, of course, it did say that they were very afraid. They were terrified. Uh, It just kind of goes by very quickly saying that. But that that was just like. If you can imagine the sight of that, it's like, hey, let's go see. <laughs> yeah. It was, that was more kind intense. of a, it was a it was a lot more intense than that. But but they I think they had to go and see it. Of course the the story is so compelling because an angel just doesn't come up to you and speak to you every day. Uh the information was worth going to check out themselves. So that's exactly what they did. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. And so they did that and they went, uh, went that way. Um, the shepherds going to visit Jesus. Very, very interesting to see that. So Jesus, he had a lot of people come to see him. He had visitors. Uh, that was the interesting thing to know here. So let's take a look at verse 16. Let's go further. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what has been told of them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And in the same way that a lot of people who were involved with the circumcision of John, they spoke up and told everyone that they were close to about what they had seen. They got the word out there very quickly. And obviously the shepherds had a lot of uh, clout. <laughs> they were very influential. Now, let me, let me share this with you too. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the one who enables this enables this information to go uh, forth. Uh, that's what we have to understand here too. Just because someone says something, don't, not everybody may believe it, but the Holy Spirit's the one who spreads the word. Uh, yeah, okay. I think that's what we have to understand here. Once the, they went out and said all these things, um, the shepherds corroborated what they had seen and heard, and the Spirit is the one who got the word out to everybody. Okay. Any questions about this so far? <laughs> pretty straightforward stuff hey Mel yes uh, 
earlier you were mentioning um, a time frame as to when the promise was given to Abraham. And, yes. Um, and I'm like, Lynn, I'll have to do a little bit more. But what I could find is it's looking like it was at least 645 years. According okay. to I'm looking at uh, a timeline that I was able to pull up. Okay. And it made reference to Galatians 3.17, where Paul was talking about uh, 430 years. But then looking at this timeline, it broke it down a little bit more, uh, where Abraham was 75 when the promise was given. Okay. Uh, and then 25 years later, he begat Isaac at 100. Uh, Isaac begat Jacob and then it went on and it gave, uh, more years. He was 60. Uh, by the time Jacob went to the land of Egypt, he was okay. about 130 years of age, uh, which makes up, this makes up about 215 years. Okay. And after this, it took 430 years when Israel left Egypt, got right. the law. Yep. So it was years, like you said, it was, it was a huge time frame. Huge amount of time. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So we're covering a lot of space when it comes to time. And yeah, the 430 years is also a very important aspect too, because remember that was a, that period of time, supposedly between Malachi and the birth of Jesus is that 400 year time frame where God was not speaking to his people. Mm-hmm. He was silent. That in itself uh, was a, an amazing thing to uh, ponder uh, where we were talking about God remaining silent. So the expectation of the people was there, but God was not saying a word for 400 and some years. So That's that scary. was a, that is scary. That's very yeah. scary. Could, I mean, uh, something like that today, I'm not sure that some of us would do very well with that. I don't think we would. I don't think, I think we would be very, very uh, disconcerted. So the timing is interesting in how it took place then, but it it also shows that when God's not going to do anything before his time, you're not going to make him do something before it's time. It's going to be according to his timing. Um, I was trying to find the place in scripture where I guess it's in Matthew where, uh, Joseph was going to quietly divorce Mary. I think it's in Matthew. Should be, I think. I, yeah, I was, I was trying to flip back to that, but that's, that's the place where you would go back and look at the account for where, um, Joseph, uh, you know, I guess Mary just says, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and so Joseph says, Oh boy, um, something one, happened. If you go to Matthew one verse 18. Yes. It just gives you the birth of Christ and it starts talking you through the story from Matthew's perspective. Okay. Okay. So that was, that was the, I didn't want to dwell on that too much, but I just wanted to mention that because Joseph has to have an important role here in understanding who, uh, who Jesus is. And it had to be revealed to him through the dreams. This is again one of those places where, uh, Joseph is sensitive to dreams as far as God's communication to him. And that's how God spoke to Joseph, that we is it's something that we need to see and understand. And you are correct. They go through the entire they go through the um the record of Jesus' ancestors and then it goes in um to the account. That's correct. 
Okay. Yes, that's right. Yeah, verse 20. Uh, after you consider this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so that was the whole purpose where Joseph was a righteous man, too. And God used him uh, for the purpose of making sure that he would fulfill his role as the father of uh, the earthly father of Jesus. Okay. Thank you for that uh, look up, Pearl. I appreciate that. Okay. So we know it's at least 600 and some odd years. And and uh, that, that makes perfect sense. And actually the author uh, said that really uh, you couldn't give a, a, a definite timeline. And so that was the best guess that they could put those years just looking at the genealogy and going mm-hmm. through uh, sure. those scriptures. Yeah. Sure. That's a, cons- it's a conservative number. You know what I mean? It, it may have been closer to a thousand. I mean, it, it, so for what it's worth. So that's the best we can, we can go and we just go with that. That's all we need. Okay. So we are, if there are no other questions, we're going to uh, launch into further into chapter two. And we are at the point now where, let's see. I keep turning the page and I go and lose my place. Oh, okay. We're back at verse 21 in Luke 2. Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple. Guess what? It's circumcision day. (laughs) The eighth day. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. Exactly the same way as John. Uh, the name was already chosen for Jesus before he was born. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So here they are. They're going now to the ceremony as it's the consecration. And here's where Simeon comes in. A very righteous man. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Holy moly. What a what an amazing thing to be told. You're not going to leave this earth until you see Jesus. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temp into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. Oh my, oh my. 
that really gets to me right now. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I, I, I've read this many times before, but we're, we're looking at how God is just moving in the lives of many devout people who are following the Lord and showing him, showing them different truths relative to where they're coming from and where they are. And the Holy Spirit was gracious enough to allow this man to see something that the Spirit had shared with him because, frankly, Simeon was just waiting for some sort of sign of deliverance. He was waiting for some sort of sign to Israel that this whole thing about this prophecy would be fulfilled and be taking place in his lifetime in some way, shape, or form. And here... I gotta tell you, that got to me a little bit more than I thought just by reading this. What a, what an amazing, wonderful thing that God will do for those who truly are seeking after him and looking to him to have him go and see the Lord and hold him in his hands, hold him in his arms. I mean, that is just amazing to me. Verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Wow. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph, you know, hearing these words or hearing what's being said here about their child, their newborn child and what he represents? The rising and falling of many in Israel. That's their whole world. That's their whole world. That's what we need to see here. And to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Does Jesus not do this today with his word? He causes many to rise and fall. He causes many to, frankly, be repelled and turned away. He causes many to be drawn to him because of his goodness. And guess what? All of these things are taking place because of who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who's working through all of these individuals and communicating this information. What an amazing thing to see. The old man Simeon. Um, Simeon's song, I guess there's a song that Simeon uh, is credited for as well here too. The Nunc Dimittis, from the first words of the Latin translation, Simeon could die in peace because he had seen the Messiah. So we don't know when Simeon passed on after this, but we can only believe it was not too long after this. Um, that's pretty much what's implied here. And, you know, it's not like the Jews didn't know what the Old Testament prophecies were. They were spoken of many times before. Um, the thing is, is that some would pay a little bit of attention to these prophecies and some would pay a lot of attention. to them. So when Jesus actually did come, there was still... Maybe half the people knew who he was or believed he would be the Messiah. And half of them really weren't sure about it or just chose not to believe at all. 
So we need to understand that as well, too. And the prophecy was that he would bring salvation to the entire world. Take a look at Isaiah. Flip over, hold your finger where you are. Go to Isaiah 49. Isaiah chapter 49. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, verse six. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Who's he referring to? He's referring to Jesus Christ. Keep in mind when, when Isaiah spoke in prophecy and, and, and was speaking what the Lord's words were, I don't think he had complete understanding as to what's being said. He just said it. But we have an understanding of it because we have context. The context is there that we understand what it means when he says, I'll make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Because remember, it's not just the Jews who were going to experience salvation, but it was the entire world. And that's what Simeon is saying here, too. The same thing, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for your people, Israel. He's pulling right from the words of Isaiah. Wow. I have a whole new uh, way of responding to this prophecy of Simeon than I've ever had before. When you look at human emotion and when you look at how God truly does honor us as we honor him and he is a God that keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. That promise that he kept for Simeon was just unbelievable. But yet there it is. Any questions? Y'all must be stunned in the silence too. <laughs> There are no chances. That's what I think the one thing that struck to me. So we tend to, yeah. you can get into the world's thinking and everything becomes fatalistic. Oh, that just happened by chance. It was a coincidence. It's, it's nothing is a coincidence with God. Correct. Correct. And let's, uh, let's go to verse 36. So you see all these prophecies that are being lined up. And I think these prophecies are not, are, are for none other than Mary and Joseph around their child as a way of affirmation of what they are involved in and what they're doing. Look what it says in verse 36 back in Luke chapter two. There was also a prophetess, Anna. You had to tell your, you get to tell your mother. Your mother's name is Anna. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's pretty interesting. The daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. 
Wow. So she lost her husband seven years into their marriage and remained a widow. Mm. That's yeah. That's a long time, isn't it? You see, this is, but this shows you how important it is for people who are devout and following the Lord. The Lord is sufficient. The Lord is sufficient, especially if your priorities are in order. She never left the temple, but worshiped day and night, worshiped night and day, excuse me, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Okay. So we see Anna. She also was inspired to speak by the spirit and had approached Mary and Joseph and spoke about Jesus and what he represented. Again, a total stranger to them. I wonder if Joseph and Mary had other encounters like this where total strangers uh, were just going up and speaking to them uh, about who this child was. And we only have writing of these accounts. Uh, we don't know for sure, but it seems to me that there were others that probably spoke to him as well too, especially as time went along, just to reassure them of their responsibility and what they were involved in. Okay. Now I can finish up chapter two because it looks like we have one more section here and then we will pick up with uh, starting with chapter three next time. Look how much we covered here. We covered all of chapter two. Woo. I'll tell you. Okay. Um, verse 41. Now, this is as Jesus was getting older now. Every year, his parents went up to Jerusalem, went to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, look how much time has gone by. They went up to the feast, according to this custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Now, remember, he's 12 years old. So when we think about a 12-year-old, we typically do not look at 12-year-olds as being mature or grown, especially today. Amen? They are young and they still have skulls of development. But Jesus was obviously different. Verse 44, thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Verse 49. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? 
Now, when I read about the accounts of Simeon and Anna, that answer was not a smart alecky answer at all. They were trying to tell Joseph and Mary, this child was different, this child was special, and he was doing the work of the father who had conceived him in the first place. But they did not understand what he was saying to them at that time. Because they're still parents. They're still looking after their child. They have responsibility for that child. Verse 51, then he went down to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Whew. The part where it says he was, he went back to Nazareth with him and submissive to them. That's God of the universe being submissive to his earthly parents. That's right. So he's showing that things are to be done properly in order. Even in his case, people say, well, surely you're God. You don't have to follow those same rules. It's like, no, I have to follow the rules too. Very true. I mean, there was no rebellion that had taken place there. He did not openly rebel against his parents. He was actually doing what was the appropriate work? And there was a lesson that was being taught here um, for his parents to see. They needed to see what was taking place. Because look at all the, you know, the response when Jesus was there teaching. They were amazed at his understanding and answers. Remember, this is a 12-year-old boy. He was providing wisdom of adults. And beyond that in their communication with people who were teachers, teachers of the word, people who were appointed to teach the word. But yes, Lynn, you're correct. He had to submit. He did go back. He just asked an honest question. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be at my father's business in my father's house? Okay. But now, um, that scripture where it says, uh, Mary kept these things in her heart. Yes. And the vision just came in my mind that she probably was kind of like snickering, like, yes, he, he got it. You know, like some of us <laughs> playing with these kids and, you know, I could just see her being excited that, you know, he, he got it, you know, you know, he, he was a kid, but it also says that, uh, they were allowing him to grow into this. Yes. Uh, doing his father's business. They didn't yank him across his head and say, boy, come on, you know, and yes, I don't get the, the, the feeling that that went uh, and transpired that way. Well, well, think of this. Here's the thing. He's 12 years old. When do bar mitzvahs take place? At 12. 12 or 13. 12 or 13, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. This is the, the transition. What is it? What does the ceremony represent? A person becoming a, from a boy to a man. To a man, yeah. That's right. So this is Jesus moving into this manhood according to the culture, frankly, but it's also symbolic because it's showing that Jesus is ready to take that next step into manhood. That's exactly what you're referring to, Pearl. That's, that's exactly where we are with this thing. He is becoming a man 
he is the doing the work of a young man. He's not a boy uh, in the sense of, you know, just talking to the people who are teachers, people who are teaching um, the truth about uh, the, the old Mosaic law. He is having those conversations with them. And, you know, there are mixed feelings when we see our kids grow up, you know, in some cases, in some families, you know, it's like, boy, you can't get this boy out of here fast enough. Uh, but, uh, in, in, well, that's true. It's, it's like, I can't speak for everybody, but, but, um, we can see here that this is a situation where, you know, we always do treasure our children when they're at their youngest sometimes because they're always so precious. And then we go into puberty and then we're ready to like just tear our hair out. When does puberty take place typically? 12 and 13, 13. 14. Yeah. Those 13s, huh? 13. Yeah. About, about 12 to 14. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So we're, we're talking about a transition from boyhood to manhood in all aspects of, uh, of life. But this is something that Joseph and Mary needed to see this too. They needed to see it was time to kind of step back and let Jesus grow and be who he was. Uh, we're, we're no longer, we're taking the reins off as far as raising him. So he was obedient, went back to the household. He kept on growing in favor and stature. And we need to see this as well too, when it comes to new believers becoming more mature in the faith, uh, knowing that the spirit is still teaching us and still dealing with us in such a way where we, uh, want to walk in such a way, uh, you know, new believers still have to grow and develop too. No matter how old we are, we still have to grow and develop. I didn't become a believer until I was 26 years old, so I can only speak for myself. I was a new believer at 26. I still had a lot to learn, even though I was well into my adulthood. Um, so that was something that was very important for me to go through and understand as well, too. And um, I hope all of you can see that and understand that for what it is. Okay. Any questions as we've covered Luke 2? I, I gotta tell you, I, I had to go back and, I gotta go back and look at that prophecy of Simeon again. That just, for whatever reason, I've read that so many times before and today it just blows me away. I just, you live your whole life with an expectation and you're seeing something where you know that God is doing something, but you don't quite have a handle as to what it is. But you know that there's prophecy and then the spirit speaks to you and say, you're going to see the, you're going to see Jesus before you die. That just blows me away. I just think that that's amazing. I have a comment now as we close. Can you hear yes. me? Yes. Yes. I can okay. hear you. You know, we've studied the foundation of the faith in a lot of these scriptures here. And you, if we think about all the people that we have touched base with in terms of God's plan and what came to mind for me is these people are all called for God's purpose. In terms yes. of our personal application, uh, verse, um, Ephesians chapter, uh, two, you know, verse 10 says, oh, yep. you are God's masterpiece. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus. So you do good things. He has planned for you long ago. So that's Amen. in terms of application for us. As we think of each one of us, how we came to the Lord and all the different experiences that we have had, and he has mm-hmm. called us for a purpose. I was thinking about Anna and she had lost her husband and, all these years, you know, God had a purpose for that. So oh. you think all the difficulties that we have, you think about some of the things that have happened in human real life. And I think about my life and this happened, this happened, this happened. You know, everything that he's allowed to happen to me has been for a purpose. 
you know, in terms of, you know, who he wants me to be in terms of sharing his word with others. Oh, man. That was beautiful, Deb. Thank you for sharing that. Um, It's making me a little bit more emotional than I expected today, too, because I know that you've, you've been through quite a bit yourself, and you've been just a soldier for the Lord for a long time. And, uh, Anna, that thing about Anna being, being to mind, and, and I just really seen that whole, whole thing for the first time. Had been married for seven years. Mm-hmm. Love of her life for all we know, right? And then he died. Yeah. And yet she remained faithful. Absolutely. She That's wasn't amazing. going back out and yeah. for anybody else. She said the Lord was sufficient in her life. There you go. Oh, what an amazing story here. I've, I've gotten a whole new approach out of this. Mm-hmm. Just by looking at that one section, um, both yes. and Anna, thank you for mm-hmm. reflecting that as well, too. There is application for us, indeed. Yep. Any other questions or comments? I'll tell you. Woo. That's a good stopping point for me. I'm going to go and dab the eyes a little bit. And- <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a that's just a great this is a great study um, because what we need to see it's 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 more important than just reading what scripture says it's looking at the emotional connection that the holy spirit is having with these people in the midst of this the things that are taking place how god is just doing wonderful and amazing things and just proclaiming his glory and proclaiming his goodness through these people. We can relate to this. We can um, draw ourselves near to this situation and look at these things. And I just thank the Lord for the representation here in Luke. Um, and, of course, in your own study time, you can go back and look at the lives of Elizabeth, look at the lives of Mary. Uh, those are write commentaries about them, of Simeon, of Anna. Joseph and Mary, uh, well, I already said Mary, say Joseph as well too. And look at what's being written about them as well. Um, some more than others. Joseph isn't written about as much, but we just know he followed the Lord too and trusted what the Lord told him. How important was that? Get up and take your child away. Get up and do these things according when, when God spoke and moved to him, that he had to be the one to do the leadership in that, in that vein as well too. How important was it for, for Joseph to listen to what God was saying to him? Uh, it was very important. They, they they all had a role of being used by the Lord. And that's very important for us to see. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, any other questions or comments? We schedule um, normally 60 to 90 minutes, but we, we don't have to go 90. <laughs> we could just end it here. Um, and we'll pick up next time uh, and start with Luke chapter 3. And um, I, I just am in awe of what God has been doing and what he has been doing and just showing us and teaching us the importance of that connection that he gives us by looking at the characters that he presents to us in scripture, all historical in nature. But we need to see how they responded when God spoke to them and spoke through them. Let's go ahead and uh, close out in prayer. Father, we just thank you for... You are teaching at this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your 
how you present these things to us where, Lord, sometimes we read a passage in Scripture ten times and we may not have the reaction, but the eleventh time you just do it to us. You just hit us right between the eyes. I thank you for your truths. I thank you for how you truly have used us as a people. And we are just grateful that you have chosen us to convey your word to others as well, too. Help us to be mindful of the roles that Simeon and Anna had just to communicate your goodness to Mary and Joseph about this child that they were raising. I thank you for your promises that you've kept for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And Lord, you have promised us that you are returning to us as well, too. We thank you for that promise. We know that you're going to keep it because you keep your promises. You're a God of truth, and we thank you for your truth. We thank you for acting in spirit and in truth. Bless us, O Lord, as we move about, as we prepare for another week of work for some of us. We have to get out and just do what's necessary, but as we do so, we pray, Lord, that you just be with us as we convey your truth to all those who come in contact with us. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the Spirit. Thank you for your teaching. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for stopping by (laughs) for a Sunday afternoon. And and hopefully you're cool where you're at. Uh, That's that's pretty important right now because we're going to have some hot days coming up. Walter, coming up, 90 degrees. I think it's 87. Yeah. One of those days. I'm not sure if that's a work day for you or not, but... uh, He's like, it's, yep. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, just stay cool, everybody. Um, now, thanks every again. fourth Sunday? Every fourth Sunday. We will catch okay. you again in June. Okay. Um, so we won't be meeting again until then, but uh, enjoy your Memorial Day. I do know that next week, there's an expectation for us to be back at church at five for the, what is it, pray, testimony time. Right? Testimony time. Praise testimony team. time. Praise team. And you guys are going to be singing and... Yes, we'll be singing. Singing, and are there going to be testimonies as well, too, or is it just... Well, singing okay. and yeah. testimony. Singing and testimony time. All right, right on. Yes. Right on. <laughs> we'll catch you then. Okay. Okay. All right, guys. Well, take care of yourselves. God bless you all, and we'll see you in about another month, okay? Have a good well, we'll week. See, we'll see you before you that. You too. Take we'll care. <laughs> take care. Bye-bye. We'll see you. Good night. Bye. Bye. <laughs>